Hello and welcome back to the Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Godzilla. Godzilla? Well, I'm honored. <laughs> yes, a real celebrity. I don't know how we got the mic to reach your face. Birds. <laughs> birds would do it. Trained birds. I hope they're quiet and the yes. flapping of the wings is not caught by our Microphone. very, very good microphones, which are not very good microphones. Are you sticking with Godzilla? Do That's I have to? Go okay. I just figured they can't tell. That, I mean, you don't speak Japanese. I'm not sure that Godzilla would either. Mostly That's it's, disrespectful. Uh, uh, <laughs> and then you just step on people, so. I don't even know. You've really thrown me, and I don't really know what to do here. <laughs> just, just let's Let me going. just recenter myself. Okay. Godzilla and I would like to welcome <laughs> you to a new year yes. here at the Latecomers. Uh, we are recording. It is the 4th of oh, January. Yes. The rain has come to the Bay Area. It is washing everything away. Uh, tomorrow is voting day in Georgia. Uh, knocking on wood. You can't, you can't tell, but that's what I'm You doing. can't knock because your arms are too short. <laughs> <laughs> You need to commit it's to like the a, bit. It's a, it's a tambourine. It's actually a wooden tambourine. <laughs> I strike me with my head. Really big one. Uh, how how was your week, Godzilla? <laughs> Wet mostly, underwater most of the time. Yeah, that's how you get around super fast. Whales, squid, <laughs> that kind of thing. How was your week? Not as wet. <laughs> okay. Yes. Although it was raining today. It was raining it was today. Raining. It was raining over the weekend, too, but mm. we didn't... Or I didn't leave the house. I don't know what you did. Um, <laughs> I didn't leave the house this weekend because it's not safe out there. It's not safe. No. So I'm <laughs> well, staying in as much as possible. Okay. Uh, also, I don't feel very good. Oh, I'm not... Sorry. I just... My stomach's been upset for a couple of days. Mm. Uh, Could it be the New Year's Eve... Happy New Year. I don't think so. I think mm. I'm just not feeling particularly well. I got the flu shot. Mm. I would get a COVID vaccine right now if I could. <sighs> yeah. I am not a priority. I understand that. And I will wait my turn. But what I don't want is to push in line so I can get half a vaccine oh, I and then not that. have it work. That, yeah. So no, 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 no. This week we're going to talk about episodes Three and four of Castle Rock, season one. So the first uh, episode we're going to talk about is episode three. It's called Local Color. It centers on your favorite, well, I don't know about your favorite, Lemuel's favorite, (laughs) Melanie Linsky, uh, Molly Strand, one Molly Strand, and her undiagnosed psychic condition. And she's got a weird plan to save Castle Rock. It's... Her character is really interesting to uh-huh. me. Because the whole revitalization of the town feels like a genuine passion project. But I don't know where it comes from. <laughs> I, I don't know what her motivation is for saving everything. Um, She's got a cool diorama of the town square. Right, she has. Uh, Doesn't fit in her little car, so no. she has to get uh, Jackie, that's Jane Levy's character, mm-hmm. uh, to, you know, drive it to where it needs to go. Uh, and she 
she talks about she's doing her practice pitch and she talks about how every town center needs a gazebo and when, <laughs> when Jackie says what's it for she's like I don't know sitting under <laughs> I'm just like <laughs> now there is a really large gazebo at Preservation Park where you work right is there? Yeah. Where? It's between the two buildings on the end by the freeway. Oh, I don't know because I don't look yeah, you, at it. Yeah, you go directly through the back entrance. You can't yeah. really see it. It's right in front, and it's enormous, and I remember... Is that where the weddings are? Yeah. yeah. Okay, because I know it's a wedding venue, and uh-huh. I was like, where? <laughs> because I'm in the office park. And I've part only seen gazebos in parks that are sort of small, and... So seeing one full size, which would probably be a town square gazebo. I work. feel like at one of the parks in uh-huh. Clear Lake that there was a really big gazebo, like a bandstand size mm-hmm. gazebo, yes, right? Is. Like mm-hmm. when you'd have, say, 4th of July, the festival that would... I think the the way that especially Clear Lake was built, there were two parks and the mm-hmm. and like the parades, any right. parades that happened went between the two parks. And at both parks, there were... Um, you know, food and you know, kids playing yeah. and you know, face painting and all that. You know, corn dog local color stuff, right? Local color. Um, I like how you tied that in. That I did. Cool. I did an really cool. excellent job. Oh, uh, my and, uh, I feel like one of the two parks. I want to say it was Red Bud, but. I've blocked most of my childhood out, so I could be wrong. Had a big gazebo, which mm-hmm. I never thought of as a gazebo. And yeah, you'd have a PA system set up there and right. music playing, or I think I might have clogged on that stage at one point. You might have clogged. I did when I was a child. Clog oh dancing. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, oh, I'm so sorry I didn't get to see that. No, you're not. I it's am so fine. Sorry. <laughs> I can still do it, but now my knee is wounded. Okay. Um, so I'll show you some double step rock step later on. Okay. I'd be happy to uh, But, so yeah, so that's what I think of when you think, when I think like center of the town gazebo. Uh-huh. Also, I believe Stars Hollow had a, in, in Gilmore Girls, had oh, a quintessential, <laughs> you know, town center gazebo that is. Where people could talk to each other very quickly. Uh-huh. Okay. That's like his whole thing. You sit on its stumps and you have coffee. Coffee. Uh, so we are thrust into Molly's head where we hear the voices that she hears. It's not, she doesn't have social anxiety. She does, in fact, hear what other people are thinking. That's very obnoxious. And I would also want to do drugs if I had that privacy. problem. Well, she doesn't, she's not doing it on purpose. I don't know. No, I understand that. But <laughs> it's what makes her communication and her. Being able to talk to people really difficult. Yes. Also, I think that subconscious stuff overpowers conscious stuff in her ears. Mm-hmm. So when she's having a conversation with you, if she's extra sensitive to who to you, as she apparently is with our protagonist, Henry, uh, Matthew. Hi, my bird. <laughs> Henry, Matthew Deaver. Then... I'm never sure when she's responding to him because 
in the sound design of the show, mm-hmm. his voice gets muffled down to almost nothing, and I right. cannot understand what he's saying. Uh, and the captions are what's the overlay. So I'm never sure when she says something to him whether she, what she says makes any sense with what he has just said to her. Her speech is very uh, confusing to me. Uh, now, what we do see, yes, as as you were uh, telling me, uh, at the right at the beginning of this episode, we see her, young her, mm-hmm. maybe eleven. It's hard to tell because I kept guessing at her age. We were talking about it when we saw her, um, the actress rather. She goes across the street. She's in bare feet mm-hmm. and just a nightdress. Right. It, there is snow on the ground. I was like, she needs to put on shoes because there was snow on the ground. And right. you were like, she needs to put on pants. I'm like, I'm less worried about pants than shoes. That's snow she's walking through. She seems to be fully awake. Mm-hmm. Her eyes are open. But she's not reacting to her stimulus. Like it's certainly not how cold Pain it is, stimulus, no. exactly. Um, she walks across the street and we find that this is in the period of time after the Reverend has been found, and before Henry has been found. She goes into the Deaver's home. It's the middle of the night. She puts on Henry's hoodie and goes up the stairs and unhooks the trach to... Right, the breathing apparatus. ...from the Reverend, causing him to suffocate and die. (laughs) A young Molly Strand is the murderer that Henry Deaver has been... uh, Perpetrated the murder that Henry Henry Deaver has been blamed for. This episode intriguing, the fact that she... We now know going forward what she did, and the fact that because it was left ambiguous the first. But we two don't episodes. have any idea any motivation why. No, uh, the thought my, my immediate thought is what the fuck did he? What does she know that he did uh-huh. that makes this the the or action that she takes? Something that he's thinking since she obviously can read people's thoughts. Right, right. But my sense is strictly thought is not mm-hmm. going to lead to her. Literally murdering Unless somebody. He's planning something. I don't know what he's planning right. when he's laying in a bed, okay. paralyzed, attached to a breathing tube. I That's don't true. know that he was going to be so able to perpetrate plan. something. I think he did perpetrate something. Okay. And then, and we have to keep in mind that she had heard mm-hmm. the Reverend taking Henry out into the woods in the first place. Right. Okay. So. She knew that they were going out, and, and that was also in the middle of the night, I believe. Mm-hmm. I think she knew, knows, knows, knows what what transpired and uh, could not let it stand. And we have still no clue as to what happened. But we don't know. Right. We don't. We don't. We Spoiler alert, because we know. We will find out. I'm not going to spoil what it is, but we will find out what, what happened. But in season, in episode three, they do not tell us why. They just tell us that this happened. Right. We also have a scene um, from when they were kids. <laughs> that she does not have a filter. Molly does not. She, young, yeah, yeah, young Molly is, if we can believe, more awkward than old Molly. Um, so young Molly. Well, she doesn't have drugs to straighten her out. Maybe that's it. Uh, and also, she just hasn't learned to navigate. She's 11. Nobody mm-hmm. knows how to navigate anything when they're 11. Uh, she invites Henry over. They go up to his her room. She says, you want to see my room? It's changed since the last time you saw it or whatever. And he's like, okay. 
And he goes upstairs with her, and then she sits on her bed, just looking at him all guilelessly, and talks about how she basically can read his mind, and she's like, I know what you do in your room uh, when you're alone. <laughs> and it feels like fireworks? Is yes, that what that's she what she described it as. Uh, and then he's like, horrified. what? And then we hear his dad calling. And Uh so he's like, I got to (laughs) bounce. And you had said, why would he be looking for her Mm -hmm. if he remembered this conversation that they had had? And we have to remember that per his conversation with his client, the earliest memory that Henry Deaver currently has Mm -hmm. is being found after his father's death yeah. by um, Alan. So he would not remember this conversation. He would remember the fact that he did have this conversation with her, and he's... But I guarantee you she remembers oh, yes, she does. this conversation I, I do, and presumes uh, that he would remember This was it. a good casting choice in terms of the young actress, yes. but it also is a really good coordinated performance between the two. Yeah. Because she does play someone who doesn't seem to have any idea about boundaries or, or rules and can't take social cues from other people. Yeah. So Henry, uh, in adult times and now times, mm-hmm. current times, 2018 times, Henry goes to see Molly at her realty office, which just looks like a... Empty, looks like a, a, like empty, a loft or a warehouse yeah, or something. Yeah, with nothing in yeah. it. Um Except her, you know, mm-hmm. her, uh, her diorama. Her diorama. <laughs> and uh, because she, uh, he wants to see about selling his mother's house. He is currently planning on bringing his mother to put her in a home in Texas near where he lives. Um, and so he's like, well, I need to sell the house. And she's like, uh, no, I can't do it. <laughs> It's maybe a conflict of interest because my parents' house is right across the street. And I'm yeah. like, how is that a conflict of interest? It's a made-up excuse. Yes. Uh, is this this is it this episode or the previous where we see Molly uh, doing a house tour for I, a client? I'm sorry, we watch them together often, so I, I'm... I'm I don't, to so at some point uh, we see Molly in I think action. It is this episode where we see her actually trying to sell a house. Doing yes, yeah, she's doing yeah. a walkthrough of the house where the person, the former owner, has died. Uh-huh. Uh, she hides the um, like the program to the funeral or the condolences or something, uh-huh. and then she puts the urn, which was just sitting on the dining table, and I'm like. You should have shown up to your open house earlier than you did. Um, And she hides it in the freezer. And she's showing the house to prospective buyers. And at one point, the husband leaves and then comes back with the urn. Which I felt was a little intrusive that he goes inside the the refrigerator and pulls out the urn. And look what you left behind. Except... I would maybe, if I was thinking about buying a house and I knew mm. the appliances came, right. I might open the fridge and freezer. Mm. I don't know. It is a little odd. Yeah. Uh, it was a bad. It was a bad plan to begin with. <laughs> so, and she's like, um, yeah. 
So I don't. We don't legally have to disclose they didn't die on the premises, but the former owner is deceased. Uh, spoiler alert: they do buy the house, but we don't know that for a little while. Um, then we have Dennis and Henry meeting about what to do about the kid now that Henry's got proof that the kid exists. He's got camera. Uh, he he took pictures on his phone, mm-hmm. uh, and Henry asks. Dennis, the CEO, to befriend him, which, I mean, it's not a great idea, <laughs> it turns out. Uh, and then we have a flashback to the night that Henry disappeared, uh, and Molly sees, Molly's having flashbacks, and sees Henry in the woods with his father, who asks, do you hear it? Mm-hmm. Um, and then Henry runs away, and she doesn't, we don't know what that's happening. Uh, she then is like, I clearly need more drugs to deal with this situation. And she goes to the school, and then her dealer's not at the school, so then she goes to where he is sitting on a stump somewhere. <laughs> so she, she, she goes to the high school, mm-hmm. and he's not there. Right. And so she goes to the stump in the woods, and he's like, oh, this is a real capitalist disaster. Supply with no demand, or demand with no supply. So he mm-hmm. doesn't have any drugs on him, but he's like, um, go to this place and look for Derek. And this place is like a, it's like a mobile home park. Mm-hmm. And yeah, this is where the, so she goes in, she's looking around and she hears some sound and she follows it. Um, and she goes into this room where there's this weird play happening. I don't even know if it's very, it feels like Children of the Corn. It feels very mm-hmm. Children of the Corn. The, there's a bunch of kids, and there's right. kids from Shawshank. Yes. The so children of. Dads at Shawshank, right. moms, moms at are work. Drunk. Or getting drunk, right. that's right. They're, they're all having a drunken um, out. And so they're all there. A lot of them are wearing these paper mache masks. Yeah. Um, and they're acting out the, and there's a bunch of, there's like 20 of mm-hmm. them. And they're acting out this courtroom scene. The sentencing of someone. The sentencing right. of somebody for some crime. It's it's very um, so elevated language. She walks in and she's like, I don't want to disturb your right. game. I'm just looking for Derek. And they're like, sit down. And so she sits down and she's mm. like, this is fucking weird. It goes on for a little while longer. Then they all kind of turn and point at her as being the guilty one. And then she is, like, led away by the tallest of them. And, of course, that is Derek. He's like, I'm Derek. Chill out. Uh, And so they're negotiating the price for the purchase that she wants to make when, whoop, whoop. Oh, no, the police are here. She's definitely going to jail. Um, Henry bails her out. I don't know if she called him. That seems like a wild... I think he was there for something else. He might have been. Yeah. He might. Yeah, because he's dealing with. He's doing all kinds of research and he's things. He's trying to to find out. Well, he's trying to find a way into Shawshank. Trying to find records of who this character is. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And that 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 storyline takes up more in the mm-hmm. second in yeah. the, in the fourth episode. Uh, and he asks her to breakfast because it's the next day. And she's like, I can't because you're very loud in my system well, she and I am overwhelmed by what you. He is, what her issues are. Yes. 
Yeah. She's like, uh, I'm like a super empath and I could read your mind and I yeah. cannot. I can't. We can't. You affect me more than anybody else and I can't do this. And he's like, um, I was just gonna, uh, we were just gonna have some pancakes, but okay. <laughs> and then she's like, I, cause she was supposed to be on the, the local show. television uh-huh. show that morning. And now she's, it's, she's already late for the, she's supposed to get there an hour early, but she's not late for the actual interview. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, fucking let's go. And so he gets her to the, the station, mm-hmm. the, the TV station on time. We see a lot of a hairdresser just kind of... Untying knots in her I hair. I guess. Or she looks, looks like, like she's literally just running strands of her hair through her hands. And I'm like, what is this woman doing? She doesn't have a, a tool. A she I'm like, she's just like gently pulling. Like, and I'm just like, what is happening with this? Uh, and then she goes and and goes in front of the camera and she sits down and unfortunately Henry is still there still real loud in her head and she tries to answer the questions that she's being asked and then it's just like when asked you know what would you tell the residents of Shawshank or whatever who might not want this or da 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 and she's like I tell them to wake up and then she goes there's a kid right now in Shawshank that's right. being held without any you know information and he's, he hasn't been convicted and you know this these so abuses are going the on under page. the uh, under our noses and you know yeah all of this stuff so yeah she's really blown up Shawshank's spot and she comes off the the set and Henry's like, uh, I don't know how you know so much about my client, but thanks, I guess. <laughs> and then, of course, Henry is called to Shawshank and fucking Aim Cusack's like, okay, so when I said we didn't have anybody well, here. She, she doesn't have anything to hide behind anymore. Now no. it's out in the public. Yes. And they know about it. And they're going to start Although raising questions. if this person went so bonkers on mm. live TV, you could just be like, she's crazy, don't know what she's talking about. The problem is Henry is not crazy, and Henry is spouting yes. this. I mean, he hasn't gone to the um, press and probably wouldn't have for a little while yet. He probably yeah. would have eventually. Well, he had to have some sort of evidence. Mm. But the fact that she just threw it out there, yeah, um, it's it sort of... Uh, it took the onus off of him and put it on Shawshank yeah. to disprove that what she said was true. Yeah. And so now they're in an awful position because they actually had this guy. Right. Uh, and so they offer a settlement deal, which I believe is like $300,000 mm-hmm. and indemnification. Right. Basically, he can't sue. He can't. It's an, There's an NDA. He can't right. stay where he's been or who put him there or whatever. So that's the settlement deal that's been offered. Henry is like, uh, go fuck yourself. <laughs> I mean, he says, right. I'm going to take this to my client. But he tells his client, look, he gets on the phone with him on the little, you know, pay phones to glass. And he's like, um, I put in a request to have a hearing next week. You're going to walk into that hearing and you're going to walk out a free man. And then you're going to sue them for it fucking everything that they have. I think he also wants to bring the system down. He's more interested in bringing it into it. They could end this private prison company, at Mm -hmm. least. Like, 
even though it wasn't a private right. prison when he was in prison. Yeah, so that's, but that's, it was a private yeah. prison when they found him, and then they kept him in there. That's yeah. a, that's a problem. Um, yeah. So and but most of what the kid says back to Henry is, "Do you hear it now?" Which is what we know his father had said to him in the in the woods. Okay, I thought it was like recalling the. The phone commercials. But and okay. then Molly returns home and her house is ransacked. This is the second time when mm-hmm. we, in the episode opened, she's actually putting the, she's with Jackie, putting everything back together. Um, and I couldn't tell if it was her house or like her parents' house where nobody's currently living, but it seems like it's her house and it keeps getting sort of torn apart. Yeah. We don't know by whom or what's Nothing happening. seems to be taken as I recall. No, it's just trashed um and then he she sees a man with like a gauze covered head that re- resembles the pastor and then that's kind of the and then she screams and then he disappears and that's basically the end of that episode oh no all right so that's local, that's color. local color then we move on to the box this one's got a twist there at the end that's uh a lot so we start he starts with Henry having flashbacks, mm-hmm. and he remembers this wooden box um, that he places about when he was gone. And he tracks down, he, he goes through, he's looking at microfiche. <laughs> I love microfiche. I've never. I used to have a microfiche. I've never gotten to use it. At my old job, the first job I worked at out of high school. And this was about the, the death of that technology. This was the, the final. It was probably one of the few businesses we had that still used one. And it was so counterintuitive how to use it, uh, the reader, that it took forever to train people on them. So I had a skill now Yeah, that, I feel like it yeah, because goes in a... And I'm always mm-hmm. like, how are they scanning right to the next thing that they're looking for? Well, they have how is that possible? a slightly different setup. Mine had like a, a hand pull that you had to operate around, almost like you were puppeteering things that were being read through this plate and you could only tell what one uh, piece of script was in relation to another so they were all numbered um, I don't know exactly how the the, the microfiche readers that you see on television crime stories and things like that work mm-hmm. because I don't see how they jump and cover such a huge distance uh, but maybe it was just a more sophisticated version of what I was doing but yes I've, I'm very sad that I no longer get to use that skill because I developed it Really well. There, if you went to small towns, I'm mm-hmm. sure there are still things on microfiche, Probably. because it's that's it's a big task to transfer everything to digital, mm-hmm. and small towns don't have the budget or the staff to do it. Yeah. yeah. So, like in 2018, Castle Rock definitely still yeah. has microfiche. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and that's still probably true in 2021. Uh, so he's microfiching, mm-hmm. and he finds that there was a suspect in his disappearance and so he goes to the place where the disappearance or where the suspect had lived and he's looking for a particular one particular brother and he finds another brother and he presumes he's talking to the brother of the suspect that he because it was like they kept talking about this land was on was owned by such like you want to say Leland Mm -hmm. but I don't think that's right um and so he goes in. I guess this dude gives haircuts out of his house. That was, there were so many odd, interesting characters tucked away on this show. Yeah. And the guy who still runs a barber shop. 
Yeah, he's um, got he's cutting hair out of his house. This is an old man cutting hair out of his house. Uh-huh. You know who I know who cuts hair out of that house or does hair out of that house is like African braids and things like that. Like not just an old dude. <laughs> like it was just very weird. And uh yeah. So he goes in and he's kind of looking around and he's like, you know, you've got that that kennel out there. Did your brother ever have had a have a dog and he's like no no no. my brother never lived here I've always been the one that mm-hmm. lived here at which point Henry's like Ooh, did you kidnap me <laughs> like, oh no uh, and he's like oh I know who you are and I have something for you and he goes upstairs um, he's clearly a hoarder mm-hmm. uh, and he has he finds this box or he pull, pulls out this box it's waterlogged and in it is Henry's police file, like the police file on Henry's disappearance. And he's like, the fuck are you doing with this? And he goes, after X amount of years or whatever, they put it in storage. The mm-hmm. storage happened to be, you know, Rose's basement. Yeah. And it flooded. And then it this all ended up at the landfill. And so he went and stashed it from and the landfill. And so he grabbed yeah. it from the landfill. Which is as, as you do. Yes. <laughs> so, um, honestly... If I was a landfill person, like if I was a person who picked and around and looked for files? things, and I found police files, I'd probably fucking snag them too. As <laughs> um, I'm like, this is not how you get rid of these things. You shred this shit and then you burn it. Like I don't understand. Uh, yeah, so I would probably do the same thing. I don't know that I would if I knew I was a person of interest in said files, yeah. but you know, to each their own. Uh, so now Henry's got this moldy <laughs> damp stained set of right. files uh, meanwhile um, Henry has put in the request for his father's casket to be returned to the churchyard where there's no longer a burial area so I don't know what he thinks is going to happen but we see his father's body being body being exhumed and moved, mm-hmm. and then uh, his mother sees them unloading it. Uh, he's not there when it happens. Oh, this and this is the episode where inexplicably mm-hmm. Henry and Molly sleep together. <laughs> like, do you remember that? They he wakes up in her bed. I don't remember that at all. Oh my god! So they. He goes to see her, like, at night, mm-hmm. and she comes out, and she's like, you can't be here or whatever, and then he thinks that, he says, maybe I did it. Like, killed his dad, and she mm-hmm. goes, come come inside, and they go inside, and then the, then it's a cut to the next morning, and she's, he's in her bed. So, yeah, presumably, they, they slept together, and I'm just like, she literally just told you that she can read your fucking mind? You think you might have killed your dad. She knows you didn't because she did it. And then you guys had sex? This relationship. I'm just like, what? Well, it's going to be troubled. I can can say that this is... But I'm just like, she has acted so all over the place. She's very erratic. And I'm just like, why would you get yourself involved in that? Except he knows maybe... He's, I mean, he's still fixing to go back to Texas, like, in a week. So I guess maybe crazy sex short-term worth it? If you know you're not have to fucking be in it for the long haul? 
I don't know. It's it's wild. And then there's a there yeah there's a conversation between Henry and Alan, where Henry's like, yeah, I'm taking mom with me. Like when I go back to Texas, I'm taking her with me. There's a there's a home. Mm-hmm. And Alan's like, that's I'll marry her. It's fine. We'll just stay here. Uh, you know, you're right. not going to take her. She, this is her home. She doesn't want to go with you. Um, if you know, if you're concerned about propriety, I will marry her to be the one to make the decisions. And uh, which I think is read by Henry as a little flipper than maybe you need to be when we're talking about my mom. Yeah. And she and he's like, does she even know that she's in a relationship with you? And also. How long has this been going on? Because Did it, it seems pretty clear before, that you cared right. uh, an extraordinary amount when my dad was seven days dead. Yeah, like what were you doing out there? That was that should have been there. There shouldn't have been anybody looking for me. It was the middle of winter. Mm-hmm. It would have been a you know a recovery mission more than a search and rescue at that point. With eleven days gone and as cold as it was getting. So why were you out there? You're not my dad. <laughs> like, yeah. what's what's going on? And uh, kind of, Alan kind of brushes him off, but he is pretty firm about like your mom's not going to go. And he does have a, a conversation with his mom where she's like, "Yeah, I'm not going. Like, this is my house. This is my town. I'm going to die here. Yeah, I'm not going to Texas. And go fuck yourself." <laughs> and and in that scene. Um, SpaceX very lucid. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh yeah. There's a couple of scenes in this episode where she doesn't, she's not showing the dementia. Is, it's difficult for me um, because I, I'm not really sure how I feel about Alan. Um, because yeah. he is engaged in a relationship with somebody, and he's almost taken over all of her duties. So it's not that there's an issue of consent because she obviously wants to stay and wants to be in this relationship. But there's an element I don't like about how he's signing all of her paperwork and how he's taking care of her by just sort of... I don't think she realizes how much she's giving away to him. Yeah. So on the one side, I want to be on Hen- uh, on the... Excuse me. I am sort of on Henry's side about it. Yeah. On the other hand, he's also equally just stripping her of all of her rights and packing her off to Texas to live in a nursing home. So he doesn't seem to be that concerned with her, what she wants either. Yeah. So it's hard to find a side that I'm 100% with. Or rather impossible. I can't be 100% with either of these guys. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, because Henry points out, everything you've ever done for me was for my mom. So, mm, what the hell? And... Uh, because at the same time, Alan basically says, "I know you did it." That mm-hmm. that's what that's what partici- precipitates Henry going to Molly. Mm-hmm. Was Alan saying, "I know you did it." He told me you did. He told me you pushed him or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and I covered it up. I saved you. Well, he's also expecting gratitude for this, right. even though he doesn't know that uh, that any of it ever happened. Right, it's the it's the word of the reverend at this mm-hmm. point. Uh, it's now highly suspect. Yeah, uh, and we get some scenes in the prison mm-hmm. with the kid and with Dennis, and 
one of the de- the deputy warden, ugh, who's a fucking douchebag, piece of work, threatens to feed the kid his teeth. Right, he starts he, talking he about his Because he says basically time. he was at, he was Blackwater, right? right. Like he, he was, was a mercenary in Iraq, and he was torturing people, yeah. and he threatens the kid with the same. At which point, the kid says, in a very sort of matter of fact way, mm-hmm. he has a name written on him that only he himself knows. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. Right, which is a citation from the book of Revelations. Revelations 1913. Uh, yeah. The rider of the white horse. The white horse? The rider of the white horse is that, right? No. Oh. That's a pale horse. Oh, okay. That's reaching, I think. Well, the Crimson King, the most demonic of Stephen King's villains Mm -hmm. in all of his... Right, but I mean, it's 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 sort of. But this is a yeah. this is an Easter egg heavy thing. So yes, it could be or it could not right. be. Yeah. You decide. Like it's not. Uh, and uh, Dennis gets a call. First of all, he's like, after next week, you're gonna get out, and I'm gonna get out. I'm gonna be a whistleblower, and it's gonna be you're gonna be out and fine. And the fist bumps him through the cage, and I'm like, don't touch him. <laughs> but he does. Uh, and then we see that Henry has decided to fucking pack it up, take the settlement, and deal with... Uh, and it's just easier for everybody. Right. Um, and then Henry says... And he leaves a message for Dennis saying that and says, call me back. Now, that is where Henry's call ends. But that is not what Dennis hears. And I want to be clear about this because mm-hmm. in every recap I've read, it's not... It doesn't make mention of this. Henry says, call me back, and I'll talk to you soon. And he hangs up. We hear on Dennis's side the almost the last thing that Henry says, and then he continues on about how the system is too big, and he's just going to have to, you know, soldier through, and he, we don't, he shouldn't whistleblow, and, like, he continues to go on about how basically Dennis's situation is hopeless, right. and there's nothing that anybody can do about it. That is not what Henry said. So he is being fed this these words in Henry's voice by something else. I think that's the kid, yo. And it pushes him over the edge. And he fucking kills everyone. Yes. (laughs) Like, it is a gruesome series of shots. You're seeing a lot of them through the security cameras in the prison. Which actually creates a distance so it's not as... I think you'd have to do that, because otherwise the impact of seeing him just shoot person after person. Yes. He's shooting person after person, but he's not shooting the convicts. Uh-huh. He is shooting... The guards. The guards. The other... The the uh, the people that he thinks has trapped him in this, and are complicit in this system that mm-hmm. he is uh, part of and trapped in. So... He just goes through and kills so many of the guards. Uh, We see him come down, and Henry is sitting outside of the door of the warden's office. And he hears commotion, and he's also like, why am I waiting? Mm -hmm. And he goes into the warden's office, and the deputy 
um, deputy douchebag, deputy warden comes at him and says, for Christ's sake, get out of the, get out mm-hmm. of the office. And then he is shot from behind. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, fuck oh, that dude. Went right. Dennis is standing there. He's got blood on him, like blood splatter on him. He's got this gun. He's clearly out of like out of his gourd, and he says, "I want to testify." At which point, he is taken down from by some gunfire behind him. Yeah, uh, and that is where the episode ends. <laughs> um, and I like there's a lot of how do we reconcile this heinous act with what we know how do we forgive him this that and the other and i'm just like how do we forgive him dennis yeah. for his you know we don't have first of all we don't have to forgive him he's I mean, dead. there's a lot of heinous acts in these two episodes that's yes. why i'm curious but it's like we also have to keep in mind that he has clearly been twisted right. and manipulated by something right other yeah this it is wasn't not, just he wasn't being communicated to by the person he um he thought he was talking to right, and whatever it was that was communicating with him knew exactly what to say and how to say it to trigger it to push him yeah into this despair and it's it's a cheap shot to say that they deserved it but they, they don't not deserve it they don't not deserve it yeah, the COs don't necessarily deserve uh-huh. it I mean like I, like you said it's not what twenty five but twenty five years old nine dollars an hour yeah like. They're part of a system that's deeply fucked up, but they can't. They, do you think I'd work here if there was a Walmart within fifty miles? Right, I mean, which that's is the line that he has to and that is true for literally all of them. Mm-hmm. They're not. They nobody who becomes a, a CO at a private prison for so little money because it's their dream job. Yeah, it's literally it's the job that will pay there them are less alternatives yes. or the less uh the reality of their situation is that yeah. there are not other resources yeah. that they can appeal to because nobody wants that kind of life. But even knowing that it was coming mm-hmm. it was rough. And I remember the first time we saw it I was like, "Oh yeah. Holy shit." Because it just <laughs> comes kind of out of the blue. out of nowhere because he's been desperate and in despair mm-hmm. and he's also been one of your but main characters. Also, you don't kill one of your right. main characters. He's like the first guy we know who yeah. he is in this in this show and he is dead in episode 4. It also goes away to um what we see Molly do where that's a possibility that maybe she's not in control of what her actions were either when she unplugged the she, she or she might be. It lends this sort of note of uh, ambiguity to that proceeding too, at least to me. Yeah, but it is very shocking. It is very violent, and it's the most violent the show has gotten to this point. Yes. Uh, yeah. Because the rest of the violence that we have seen, for instance, the decapitation and all, yes. happened off screen. It did for the most part. Yeah. Then you see, um, sort of the remains of violence, mm-hmm. the aftermath of violence, but we don't see a lot of active violence. Not We hadn't yet. So, yeah, so it was just, it was a lot, it was a lot right there. Um, so that's that. What, thoughts? Um, the great thing is I don't clearly remember what happens in all these episodes, so I'm. it's good to be I mean, this was a, a while back, uh, so there's a lot of um, a being 
uh, having details recalled to me as I'm watching it. But I still don't have a clear idea of where it's going. I appreciate that. Uh, it's really well written. Yeah. I've forgotten how well plotted the story is and how complex the characters are. And also these very surreal dips, like the, the mock courtroom scene. Yeah, so odd. just so weird. But it was a great touch. And unsettling. Like, you're just like... Right, because you can't see these children's faces. And it did remind me of watching some of the Rod Serling stuff, where there'd be these mm -hmm. abstract episodes of Twilight Zone, for instance, where you don't see characters' faces or you're seeing them all through subjective cameras. It was very weird and it felt very strange. Mm -hmm. And you felt that she was in danger being there. And that episode, um, episode three, watching Molly navigate this weird world trying to... Uh, get drugs? Well, not trying to get <laughs> drugs, because her original motivation is just to be the best representative for this town and yes. trying to save it. Yes. And then seeing just how far she falls in this very simple ambition, because she's constantly working against herself, that was really... Um, it made me more sympathetic for her, even if I do know that she murdered somebody. Yeah. Oh, something leading into the next episode that we should mention is mm -hmm. Dennis is not killed from behind. Dennis is killed from in front. Dennis is killed by a shotgun blast that happens right next to Henry's head. Yeah. So we get a lot of, like, we get a, 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 a almost a close up of Andre Holland. Um, with no sound except the ringing, mm -hmm. that would definitely happen if you had a shotgun go off right next to your head. I appreciate that touch of realism. Yeah. Because I've actually fired a shotgun and that is a... recently. Even with the muffs on and the earplugs, yeah, it was really, really loud. Yeah. So, the next two episodes that we're going to watch are Harvest and Filter. Episode five and six. Mm -hmm. uh, Filter and... that thing that Molly doesn't have. Oh no, she doesn't. It's true. She doesn't. I'm gonna have to start taking better notes because these aren't really the recaps are not good. Mm. So I will be better about that. So I will uh, ho will hopefully be a little clearer on what happens when in the next couple of episodes. Um, do you have? Anything you would like to recommend um, to our listeners? Yes, I've watched a lot of movies this weekend. Yes. A lot of movies. Mucho movies. But um, there was one that stands out, which was actually your recommendation. Um, it's a movie called Run. Ah, yes. And I think it was available on Hulu. It's a Hulu. Hulu, which I've watched a lot of Hulu in the last couple of days. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to say about this film that won't spoil it because it has a relatively simple plot and that's not saying anything wrong about the film. Nope. But it is very much like, uh, there's a film I got you to watch, uh, Eye of the Needle, where the entire last act is act of that film is a very intense cat and mouse game between a German spy and an English mother. And so the entire war boiled down to these two people doing ridiculously, at times, violent and brave things to, mm -hmm. to make sure that their world survives, their opposing views of the world survive. This film has, it's just really two people going 
through this grueling hour and a half of trying to overcome the other person. Yeah. And That's one of the, the people is way to put it, sympathetic, yeah. and one of the people is not. Yeah. I posted in a, on Facebook that uh, the villain in this film is somewhere between Dracula and King Ghidra in terms of being really, really bad. And and I won't tell you which one it is. I think it really is a film that a person needs to see for themselves because telling them anything else would spoil it. But it it's a very intense kind of film that winds up in the first five minutes and unwinds for the rest of the film. And just, it, it's, uh, there are passages where you're just in a lot of suspense and I miss this kind of filmmaking. Oh, interesting. Okay, I yeah. really miss seeing that kind of, uh, Hitchcock did it, Henri George Clouseau did it. Uh, the sort of thriller where you're just, you're really that, uh, hoping that the hero character is able to get free of these clutches and there's so much that uh, they're being manipulated by people around them are being manipulated into believing who's sympathetic and who's not. So, yeah, yeah. I can't say anything else about giving it away, but it's a Yeah, well, we film. should say that Sarah Paulson stars as one of the two characters, mm-hmm. and Kira Allen stars as the other. Right. And Kira Allen, it should be noted, is in a wheelchair in this movie and is in a wheelchair in real life, mm-hmm. which I think, knowing that, makes it more stressful because <laughs> you're not you're like you know she can't just get up and walk around on break or whatever well, like well there's a scene sh- involving creeping on the roof of a house yeah that knowing that makes it so yeah almost traumatizing to watch because she's pulling herself along on her arms and her legs are dangling perilously close to the edge yeah. and you realize that she can't do anything to hold on nope and that, not with that part of her body. Right. Nope. And so that, yeah, there, there are parts, parts, excuse me, <clears throat> there are parts of this film where it just, it's like they're tightening the screws on you. And so it's it's a really great direction. There's, Sarah Paulson's amazing. She's really great. She really is amazing. And I think that um, that she's able to communicate characters and make them interesting and compelling even when they're not sympathetic. Yeah. But she's done in other things. I'm really glad that... That helps with the writing, too. This is the writers, producers, and director of Searching, Mm -hmm. the movie with John Cho. Right, which was also a a sort of a nail-biter, too. And very good. And very good. I like that one a lot. Uh, So do you have something you'd like to recommend? um, I will recommend, and if it's your jam, you've probably already seen it, Netflix's Bridgerton. Uh, <laughs> it, we've talked about it in, in passing last week. The whole of it is a Regency-era gossip girl. Except at the end of the first season, you find out who, who the gossip who the gossip girl is. Mm-hmm. So you will know who is uh, Lady Whistledown. Which is the characters that's not God? Obviously, she's not God of Girl, Lady Whistledown. Uh, and this is a eight or ten part series on Netflix. Uh, it re- it feels very much like a like a Jane Austen book with sex in it. There's sex in it, a y'all. A lot of sex in it. There's a lot of sex. Really you see a lot of dude ass much. in yeah. this movie. Also, is this what happens when you have a female producer? There is. <laughs> One of the plot lines uh-huh. 
revolves around knowing how someone gets pregnant and then exploiting or not exploiting that. There is a scene which could be construed as a male rape scene in an episode. So Mm -hmm. if that's not your jam or you don't want to see that, I didn't read it that way. That does not mean that my take is correct. So I just want to put it out there that this has been construed this way. And it's a whole debate that we could have, but we're not going to. But outside of that, the costume is beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's pretty funny. Uh, like I said, lots of sex. Uh, it's, you know, it's pretty formulaic, but it's pretty fun. Uh, I don't know if there'll be a second season. Mm-hmm. It is based on a book. Uh, it's Shonda. Also, Shonda Rhimes getting her dollars. She is the producer of it. It's a Shondaland for Netflix uh, joint. Uh, so I enjoyed it. If you like rom-coms uh, this and, and period pieces, this is probably right up your alley, and you should check it out. If what I've said does not sound appealing to you, give it a miss. <laughs> That's what I would say. Uh, so next week, episodes five and six, Castle Rock season one. Uh, I, uh, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can reach out, uh, latecomerspod at gmail.com is our email address. We can be found on Twitter at latecomerspod. You can find us on Facebook by searching latecomerspodcast in the search bar. Until next week, I remind you to take your medicine. And we remind you, better, better late, late than, than never. never. Thanks to my guest host, Godzilla. Yes, off to stomp on some building. Actually, the zebras are pretty good. They don't have walls, so you can step on it and it just goes flat. Squish. Squish. <laughs>